0: Last week, I, I preached, and we're today we're week three of do, our door series. Next week, we're going to kind of sum it all up. It's going to be crazy next week. But we talked last week about, um, about hang-ups that's got you hung up, the hang-ups that got you hung up. We talked about how the door, that when you put a door up, it has to be hung up properly. And that if it's not hung up properly, um, it will get stuck. The door will not open properly or close or, or shut properly. So it has to be balanced correctly. We talked about that last week. If you didn't get that, that message, please go on to our, our podcast. You can go to myfaithbuilders.com. You can share that information. It's free of charge. Get all that. Get me. You need Jeff Pruitt in your bathroom in the morning. Praise God. I will fire you up. You'll never brush your teeth faster in your life. Of course, oh, God. Jesus. You just brush them teeth most fast. It'd be great. It'd be great for you. So, But I'll fire up the word of God. But get that word in your spirit. Amen? And, um, and so we talked about that last week in those hang-ups. Today, I want to say this. For a door to open, it's got to be placed on little things called hinges. Everybody say Hinges. What's your life hinged on? You know, what's your life actually hinged on? And today, I want to talk about what hinges you to your destiny. Because hinges not only open the door, but hinges also subdue Port the door in its position so you know that it's solid and it's firm. It's going to be there tomorrow. It's going to be there the next day. So if the door has not opened for you yet, honey, don't worry about that. Just know you're at the precipice. You're at the threshold. You're there where the door is about to open. Praise God. Just keep, oh, I'm going to preach too soon. Praise God. Jesus, help us all. Amen. So just like your faith, hinges are just like your faith, it'll actually it causes the door to open on the hinges, but also supports the door in its position. I want us to look at Hebrews chapter eleven, verse one. I did this in the first service. I want to do this in the second as well. They're going to put up the New King James, but I'm going to go ahead and read it from the Amplified version. You can follow along with me best you can that way. But this is what it says. It says, "Now faith." Everybody say, "Now faith." When is faith? now faith is the assurance in other words it's the confirmation it's the title deed it's the it's a proof positive that you got something in your hand the word of god causes that to happen we know faith is the proof of that and then it says of things we hope for so faith is the assurance the confirmation the title deed of things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see my faith is more proof of what i see than what i see with my natural eyes Okay, and then it says "It says this, be the proof of things we don't see, and the conviction of the reality. Faith is my conviction that what I'm seeing internally is very much real. Faith perceives as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So beyond my five physical senses, I've got something called faith, and that faith can sense a reality that nobody else can see. And that's going to be the, the precipice, the threshold of me going into a new season in my life. Now, there was a woman, her, she, they don't give her a name in the word of God, but she's called the woman of Canaan or the Canaanite woman. And she was not a Jew. She was a Gentile. By the way, if you're not Jewish today, that means you're a Gentile. Jesus had, amen, someone's proud to be a Gentile. Hallelujah. And so, and so, and so uh, Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. So Jesus knew that he was called to the lost sheep of Israel. He was called to the nation of Israel. After the cross, he would have a worldwide ministry. The Holy Spirit would fall upon all men, all flesh, and reveal who Jesus was so that all men can be saved. Amen. But Jesus had not yet went to the cross. And a woman come to him. He's being thronged. He's, a, he's, got a, he's got an entourage around him, his disciples and other disciples. Beyond his 12, the other 70-some people around him and around them. And, and then he's got another crowd around them. And, you know, everywhere Jesus went, he stirred stuff up. It was either going to be miracles or riots. Come on, somebody. Uh, y'all didn't catch that. When Jesus shows up, it's probably either going to be a miracle or a riot. But something's going to happen. Even some, Someone's going to get saved or someone's going to prison. We don't know which one yet, but something's going to happen. And so wherever he went, he had a massive crowd around because he was the miracle man. People want miracles. People want signs. They want wonders. They, they want to see the expression of God. They, they want their lives to be changed. They want to feel like they've got purpose. And by the way, 2,000 years later, man still has not changed. We still want those things. And so we crowd, they crowd around Jesus. And, and this woman, this Canaanite woman, came through the disciples and got to Jesus and shouts at him. And says, Jesus, Jesus, please come. Heal my daughter. She is um, severely demon-possessed. And, and I have nobody else to go to. I know you can heal her. He doesn't even look her direction. Ignores her and keeps on walking by. Now you think that's tough. But watch that. When some See what we don't understand about the Lord. Sometimes what looks tough is the Lord trying to draw something up out of us. He, we don't always get what we want the first time. But you know by the time we start going after it. Come on. So It stirs up what's actually inside of us. And so he keeps on walking. She keeps on talking. Finally the disciples say hey enough with you lady. Don't you get it? He's busy. He's not able. And he said look, look lady. He turns to her after that and says look I come for the lost sheep of Israel. In other words, you're a Gentile. And I've come to help my people, the Jews. And she said, yes, Lord. She said, I I know that. And then he finally said, you know what? He said, it's not good that I go and feed the little dogs. He called that woman a little dog. Y'all would have turned away from Jesus if he'd have called you a little dog, praise God. I mean, pretty much cussed her out. Not, Not really, but it was an offensive thing to say. And she said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs... Can eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. He turned to her and said, Woman, great is your faith. I haven't seen so much faith even amongst my own people, and you're a Gentile dog. This very hour, your daughter will be healed. What happened? This woman who did not have a right to covenant, she was a Gentile, had not yet experienced Jesus, had not went to the cross, had not yet experienced covenant through salvation in Jesus Christ. She was able to reach beyond space and time, past the cross into her future and get something she could see. In other words, she knew the answer was Jesus. The answer was Jesus. And even though I don't deserve it, I know he's got the answer. Come on. So, she reaches beyond into the from the present not even dealing with the past. And into her future and gains a miracle for her family. Don't tell me this, God, and that was before the cross. After the cross, we've got a better covenant through the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we can come to him any day, any night, boldly into his throne room. Come on, cry, Abba, Daddy, sit in his lap. And God will come to us and visit us any time we wish. Is this preaching too soon? Am I? Uh... Let, let me make this statement. Everything you need has already been provided. Did y'all catch that? Everything you need is not a mystery with God. He's not freaked out about your situation. He's not running around, oh, my God, how am I going how, how to show him that I'm really God? He's doing none of that this morning. He don't twiddle his thumbs. He's not upset about nothing. Before you ever had the need, God already answered Faith reaches beyond the natural and into the dimension of the spirit, where God has already provided and everything you need before you needed it. God had already made provision for it. I'm preaching better in your shout right now. Everything you need, God has already got it in a storehouse, ready to pour out in your life. You just got to have the faith to walk through the door. Now, I, I was meeting with, we had a dinner with Carl and Nicole and, and, and uh, uh, they were so gracious to us and they were telling us a little story and I'm gonna, I won't say too much, but I will say this. I, can I say a little bit? God put in their heart how to raise money for a foundation to help kids and education and get people going and, you know, it needs to cost a lot of money to do that kind of stuff. And he had an idea, they both had an idea of raising 100 maybe $125,000, whatever it might be to, to help out in the situation. And, um, but God had put it in their spirit of what to do. And God said, here's what I want you to do. Matter of fact, Nicole told him, this is it because he'd been looking for what, how we're going to make this happen. And, and they, they were going to put on a jazz festival. You know, you all get too religious sometimes. You, you get too religious sometimes. You think we've we got to get Michael W. Smith to come or we've we, we got to get Kurt Franklin to come or something like that. You, you, you're thinking in a small box. They're thinking Huge. They're thinking Napa Valley, huge, praise God, where they have big, huge jazz festivals. They go, you know what? they ain't a jazz festival in Milwaukee. Let's bring a jazz festival here in Milwaukee. We even know Christian people that are very uh, prominent in that world, and they're gonna come, and we just, we're gonna get started, and they start getting started. All they did was step through the door in faith. Didn't know how much it to cost them personally. Wasn't sure if they could even do it personally, but said, let's start talking about it. Let's start throwing mud on the wall so we know God's given us a direction. We start walking in it. Next thing you know, they told somebody, they got a hold of somebody who said, you need to talk to this person. Got a hold of a person named Mary. Mary was the one who ran the campaign for Scott Walker, and she knows all these people, has all these connections, and Mary said, I'm going to get, this is this is it, I'm going to get involved in this. She goes, you got to raise your vision. We're not going to raise 100000 Whatever you think you're going to raise, put a one in front of it. They're going to raise over a million dollars. Come on, somebody. Someone said, can I have some? <laughs> Everything you need has been provided. They don't have enough to get it done, but they walked through the door and God met them at the point of their need and began to supply. Come on, church. What, is this microphone on? Jeremiah. He said, God said, Jeremiah. Uh, yay, yeah, Jeremiah, before you were born, Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I called you. And I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. When did God do it? When did God call him? When did God ordain him? Before he was ever formed in his mother's womb, which tells me I can't get to this people planet until God gives me purpose. And the fact that I'm here tells me I've got a purpose from the Almighty God. And as long as there's air in these lungs, God's got a purpose for Jet Pruitt and God's got a purpose for you. And He's already made a decision before you got here. Everything you need will be provided. Woo Jesus. He goes to Joshua, says, Joshua. He says, Joshua, take the city. That city, Lord, that city, Jericho. Jericho was known for his mighty military men. Jericho was known for his wall. Everybody knew Jericho, fortified. None went in and none came out. That they would race chariots on top of the wall. It was so wide. They had apartment complexes in the wall. True story. And you, wilderness people, With some spears. (laughs) Never know more. You're going to go in and you're going to defeat your enemies. First question I would have is, how? Come on, church. How are we going to do this? God said, you going to do it or not? Yes, we're going to do it. He said, the first thing is, see. See. I'm not, come on, I'm not not speaking Spanish up here. Come on. See. S-E-E. See. I have... Put the kingdom of Jericho into your hand and all its kings bowing down before you and you will see its defeat. Joshua, can you see it? Yes, Lord, God gives them a supernatural way, causes the walls to come down flat, defeats their enemies once and for all in Jericho, all because God, they understood that God had a plan that they didn't know anything about. God already had the victory wrapped up for them. All they had to do was go through the door. Jesus is stopped by a man named Jairus. He says, My son dying. Come, please touch him. Jesus says, I will come. On his way, somebody stops and says, No need to bother the master anymore. Your boy is dead. He grieves. Jesus said, Don't grieve, don't grieve. We're going to your house. They go to his house. Mourners were in there. He's dead. And kicks him out and says, What are you kicking us out for? Don't worry about it, the boy is just asleep. Which was it? Was he dead or asleep? They knew he was dead in the natural. But Jesus saw something they couldn't see. And he said, boy, arise. And the boy came back from the dead. Because when the resurrection and the life shows up into your life, what that which was dead shall live again. You better get your destiny back on line with God. Get your purpose back on line with God. Are you ready to go to your next season in your life? Come on. I'm preaching better than most of y'all shouting out there. Don't you fold up your arms on me. I'm trying to help you. You got this, Pierre? If nobody gets it, Pierre will get it. Pierre will get up here and do a dance just so you get it, praise God. Pierre is the only black guy I know that does a cowboy dance, praise God. He is a, I love that guy. How many loves Pierre, the guy that's up here on the end over here? He's great. Is that good for you? You ever heard a man named Abraham? How Abraham was told by God, take your son, your only son, upon Mount Moriah, and there you will sacrifice him to me? What kind of cruel God is this? He waits all these years to get uh, Isaac, and now God says, I want him to become a sacrifice? What is this? You don't question God. You never question God. He says, okay, Lord, you know his heart was breaking. You know his mind was, like he was losing his mind. He gets up the, the, he gets up the cords to bind up the sacrifice. He takes the fire with him to burn the sacrifice. He's got the wood for the accelerant of the burn, burning of the, of the wood to, to consume the sacrifice. And the boy and him go and they go and they uh, to this place. And they say, You, he said to the servant, said, You guys stay here. Me and the lad, we're gonna go over yonder. We're gonna worship the Lord. He said, But I and the lad shall return. I don't know how God's gonna turn us around, but He gave me a promise. And that promise is my son. And I don't know what He's gotta do, but He's gonna have to do what He's gotta do. But I'm gonna obey God no matter what. I'm going through the threshold. I'm going through the door. I don't care how painful it is. I'm going to obey this God. On the way up, Dad, I see we got the wood. I see we got the fire. I see you got the the uh, bands to bind up the sacrifice, the rope. I see you got the knife and the sheath to kill the sacrifice, to offer to God. Where is the sacrifice? Don't worry, son. God will provide. Dad, dad, we're almost there. Where is the sacrifice? You got everything else, but where's the animal? God will provide, son. Next thing you know, Isaac is on the altar, being bound up by his dad. His dad's stacking the wood under Isaac. Happy Father's Day. son's looking at him. What's going on? He's about to take the sheath, the, the knife. He does. He takes it out of the sheath. And he begins to take his arm back to plunge it into his son's heart. And just like that, the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Stop! Stop, Abraham! For God has seen your faith this day. You shall not your son. Look over yonder. There's a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. That shall be your sacrifice. And from that day on, Abraham called him Jehovah Jireh. My provision shall be seen. In other words, that ram was there the whole time. He just couldn't see. What's in your life? What's in your life that God's requiring of you and you're having a hard time with it? But you don't understand. He's already made the provision. Your eyes just need to open by faith. Glory to God. Here's the deal. As a believer, in order to go through the door of breakthrough, we're going to have to learn to operate this thing by faith. Look, church, we have to learn to not allow ourselves to get overwhelmed by surprising circumstances when they pop up. Because one of the things the devil does, he'll deter our faith when things begin to pop up. And then they take us by surprise. That bill, that, that, that lawsuit, that doctor's report, that, that the situation in your marriage, your children, somebody goes to prison, something happens, you pray for it, it didn't work out the way you thought. And all of a sudden it's like, Bang! we got to learn to understand that God's still at work beyond the circumstances. This is how Jesus operated during his time on earth every day of his life. You say, well, that was Jesus, pastor. That was Jesus. Yes, yes, but he did not operate as the son of God. He operated as the son of man on earth. He was the son of God, but the Bible says he stripped himself of his own divine privileges and took upon himself the form of a man, which means he walked like a man. He did nothing on the earth with the privilege of being the son of God. Only the privilege of walking by faith and obedience to God. So that he becomes our ultimate example of how we're supposed to live our lives. And yes, he's perfect. And we're not perfect. But he's still the example. And they're on their way. And Jesus tells me, he says, you guys, let's cross over to the other side. And there we'll have ministry over there. And they begin to go on to the Sea of Galilee. And everything's fine. Jesus is at peace, man. He's asleep. And all of a sudden, a massive storm begins to hit him, And the boat is rocking and creaking and sounding like it's about to break apart. I mean massive. They're about to capsize. And storm clouds and wind and waves are slamming against the boat. And they're freaking out, as would most of us. No life preservers. No way of to control the storm in our own hearts and minds. We're going down. And so you freak out. And they go to Jesus. At least they knew that. He's asleep on a pillow, the Bible says, at the stern of the boat. He's asleep, sleeping. Rocking, rocking and rolling. And here he is at peace. And they wake him up. Master, master, don't you care that we are going to perish? And he gets up, looks around, and he rebukes them. He says, how long do I have to be with you, oh, you of little faith? He challenges the faith issue. How long do I have to tell you how to live this thing, and you still won't walk it out by faith? And sometimes I feel like Jesus. I'm not Jesus. But in pastoring church, I wonder, how long do I got to be with the people that have been here forever and a day, and I've told them how to live their life and still got the same stinking problems they had 10 years ago? At some point, we got to grow up, accept our responsibility, and walk it out by faith. Come on, church. At some point, we got to grow up. Amen. And he says, All right, get out of my way. And he gets up on the stern of the boat. And the Bible says he rebukes the wind, rebukes what he couldn't see to stop what they could see. He rebukes what they couldn't see, to stop what they could see. Rebukes the wind, and the waves stopped, and the clouds cleared up, and they were safe, and they ended up exactly where Jesus said. That word "storm" in the Greek is the word "genomi." Genomi means this. It literally translates "out of the blue." Ever heard that terminology before? Man, that came out of the blue. That bill showed up. That was out of the blue. That person showed up in love, that was out of blue. Someone said something negative, that was out of the blue. In other words, it came out of nowhere. We had blue skies, and all of a sudden we're in the middle of a storm. That's like as a squall. It comes out of nowhere and it comes, it's a spiritual attack. It's a spiritual surprise attack. And you weren't prepared for it, and your faith got rocked. Amen. Jesus says, You ain't gotta put up with that. You can take your authority. And you can rebuke that which cannot be seen, which is principalities and powers and demonic spirits that are trying to capsize your life and say, peace, be still, and it will have to obey you. This whole thing, this whole message is about faith. It's about seeing things that nobody else can see. Understanding dimensions of things that nobody else understands. Because when you're one side of the door, you're one side of a dimension. And when you walk through, you're in another dimension. One atmosphere walking through to another atmosphere. One environment walking through another. One season of your life walking to another season of your life. That's what we're preparing ourselves for. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Watch it. what Jesus did for us. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. In other words, I was in one reality, and now I'm in another reality. One dimension, and now in another dimension in my life. It says this, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He's the image of the what? The invisible God. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. You catch that? Where the thrones or dominions, or principalities, or powers. All things were created through him and for him. God who is invisible, but we know he lives. We know he exists. Ain't nobody can pull me away. I know that I know that I know that I know. He lives on the inside of me just like he lives on the inside of you. That's all the proof I need. Although I can't show the world, I know on the inside. And he's proven himself in scripture, proven himself in my life. I've seen his signs and wonders and his miracles. I know he saved me. I was going one direction and now I'm going to completely. Only God could have done something like this. And this God, who's invisible, creates things that are visible. God also creates things you can't see. So just because you haven't seen it yet, doesn't mean it's not on its way in your life. (laughs) Hebrews 11.3, it's a good chapter, it's called the faith chapter. By faith. Everybody say, by faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The expanse of the universes was framed by things called words, not mechanisms, not mechanics, not physical things. Words, words from God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Everything you can see on this planet came out of the earth. Every fabric, steel, stud, fixtures, that chair you're sitting on, those clothes you're wearing, everything came out of the earth. Things, oh, Jesus. Things were made out of things you'd never seen. Is that too deep for y'all? That chair you're sitting on before it was ever something you could sit on first was in the heart of somebody who formed and fashioned it out of the earth. They got the materials from the ground and made it and fashioned it into something that could be used. In other words, the same is true for you, that when you want something, you've got to see it first. You've got to have the blueprint on the inside of you and your face says It is possible. And it can be made out of something you've never seen before. That's the power what we're talking about here. So we are not restricted to the resources we see, nor are we restricted from man's limited abilities. There's an economy in heaven that's driven by the market of earth's needs. The economy is is abundant and ready to be established on earth at any time. But the currency of the kingdom of God is always going to be your faith. Let it be unto him according to his faith. What do you believe and what you don't believe, that's the currency. So you can be, watch this, the currency in heaven is not money. You can't get dollar bills. You can't spend it like that in heaven. That's not how you get the supply. It's your faith. So if you've got abundant faith, which means you have abundant you have abundant money exchange to be able, I'm, I'm, that's a limited way of saying it, but it's a way to say it, to be able to exchange to get what you need on earth. If you have no faith, you've got nothing to work with. <sighs> Philippians. I don't have time to break us all down, but let me get this to you. My God shall supply <sighs> How many of my needs? All of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? In other words, he's not limited to my bank account. He's not limited to my abilities. He's not limited to my relationships. I put my trust that my God becomes a supplier out of his economy and he says it's called riches in glory it's something i can't see with my natural eyes but i know that i know that i have a picture of it on the inside of my life and that becomes the reality i perceive that that's more real than what i'm dealing with on the outside of my life i don't care if it looks like a storm a genomic, a problem a situation what's in me contradicts what's outside of me and what's in me is greater than what's outside of me. And the more I walk in faith, I cross through the threshold of one season to the next. You want the drama out of your life? You got to move to another season in your life. And it's going to take some faith to get there. Amen, church. So here... We have need. On this earth, we have need. But there, God has supplied, has supplied, according to his riches and glory. The problem is that we think that our economy is just from this earth. And that's why people, that's why people get into covetousness. That's why people get greedy because they think that's all there is, and there is no more. And I gotta get mines. That's why even Christians, oh Jesus. That's why even say folk, blood, barber, dean, sanctified, build the Holy Ghost. People lose their minds on Black Friday because there is a sixty-inch flat-screen HD television set for half price. So you're gonna push people, you're gonna shove people, you're gonna threaten people, you're gonna button line, cuss people out, get your TV. Then ask the Lord to forgive you on the way home. Come on. I'm preaching better than you want to admit it. I'll tell you right now, I know y'all. I've been, I've been in this city a long time. I know how y'all act. You know why people act a fool like that? Because they think it's a limited supply. They think their whole life is like Black Friday. That's what they think it is. They think it's that's their whole life. It's always first come. I gotta get there. I gotta dog eat dog, man. I gotta get what's mine because someone else is gonna get it. I gotta get in line. I gotta get, I gotta beat them all out. I got they're gonna run out. They're gonna run out. We're not a deal. But when you understand that God has already supplied your need, you ain't got to fight nobody, cuss nobody, try to butt in the line. You, no matter where you go, you can go to Macy's. Come on, somebody, and get a deal in a hat. All the women should have said, hey, man. <laughs> Church, you and I are connected to the invisible. The, the unlimited supply that others can't see. And so I think I think we think it's easier sometimes to fight and scrape and scrap and scratch. To get ahead. It's just, it's, it's, I gotta do it. I gotta get in front of everybody. Me, me, me. I gotta get it. Mine. And we do this. I have I don't want to do that. I don't want to live like that when i got a God who owns it all. And I figure if he don't want me to have it, I ain't supposed to have it anyways. Am I right about this church? And he's big enough. He's big enough to make it happen. He's big enough. We've got great babies crying everywhere. I had to look and make sure it wasn't one of our members. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking to me today. A- am I right? I don't want to live like that. Well, my daddy owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Earth is mine, says the Lord. All the supply I've ever wanted has already been available to Jeff. It, the problem is, is my, my mindset's my worries my complaints has called my cause my faith to be limited we have to have the eyes of faith or we'll never walk through the door of opportunity or breakthrough the truth is we need to walk in discernment every day of our lives you know what discernment is it's that thing in your note. i call it down in my knower now, now you i, I can, you can talk to me here and i'm like oh yeah i agree but in here i'm going hmm you ever talk to somebody, go, I know they're lying to me. I shouldn't know that, but I just know that something ain't right with this conversation. You just know down in your knower. That's called discernment. And we need to have that discernment, right? That's how we should walk. And what gives us discernment? What you're hearing today. God's word. His word gives you discernment. You need to be here on Sundays. Man, you gotta be here on Thursday nights. Come on, y'all. I'm preaching. Don't disappoint. Get here. Get, hear what it takes about giant. We're going to have a great time anyways. But, but get here. Make it a part of your life. You know, build your faith. But the word of God gives you discernment because the Bible says the word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. What I couldn't see now is illuminated. Revelation of God's word is illumination. I can see what I couldn't see without it. First Corinthians 2 9. But as is written. Eye, not natural eye, eye hasn't seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God, what, come on, help me with that. Did you all see that? God has prepared, past tense, for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. This, God says, don't go by what you can see with your eyes or hear with your ears. He's know this I've already prepared things because you love me. I've got things prepared for you before you got into trouble. God knew and made preparations. So, how do I tap into the things which God has prepared? We do it by faith. In other words, if I'm going to get out of my problem, I've got to start having my thought life and my talking life line up. I've got to think and talk supernaturally. I don't have time to get into all this today, but do you think about those three Hebrew boys? Your shack, my shack, and a bungalow? Something like that, amen. I mean, Shadrach and Abednego. And, uh, and what happened? What happened? They were gonna pray. They were gonna pray. Some of you, are getting it right now. They were gonna pray, and the king said, "No more praying to your gods. Uh, I'm gonna erect a statue, and now everybody's gonna come and worship that statue when, when, when we, we get the signal." And they said, "We're not doing it." And they would bow their knee three times a day, and they'd open up the shutters of their house so that everybody could see them do it. They're gonna worship God no matter what, unashamedly. Put their lives in their hand, and they found out, and they said, "Because you did that, you got to burn. That's the law. You got to go into the furnace." And they stood before the king. The king said, "What do you got to say?" We're not, they said, "We're not going to bow. We cannot bow. We cannot. You got to do what you got to do, King. We want you to know something. That's what they said. Our God shall deliver us out of your hand, O King." They had a premonition. They could see something beyond that moment in time. Where Moses was full like a house of cards, they decided to get strong and get a spine and say, go ahead and throw us in. God will protect us. And the men that threw them into the furnace burned alive. They, 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 they stoked that thing seven times hotter. They threw them in there. And here they are. The Bible says the very binds that were on them that had them bound, burned up, And they're walking around freely in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar goes, hey, wait a second, here we go. One, two, carry the one, three, four. Hey, I thought we threw those three Hebrew boys in there. We did. Who's that fourth one? He looks like the son of God. Jesus will show up. In the midst of your fiery furnace, he will show up in your trouble. He don't run. He's not a coward. He gets with you. His presence will overshadow you, and nothing will take you down. Come on, church. Nothing will take you down. If you're not careful, people will talk you right out of going through the door of your next season in your life. They'll do it. Why do they do it? Because they're conditioned for lack and limitation. They're conditioned for the evil report. Joshua, Caleb, part of the 12, they went into the land, spy out the land to see what, what, their, what was going on. 10 came back and said, We can't go in there. I know God told us to, but we can't. There's giants, man. They're huge. They're, they're, they're fortified. They're, they're, they're men of war from their youth. We're just a band of people out here in the wilderness. We can't overtake them. And Joshua and Caleb said, I beg to differ. If God be before us, who can be against us? And the bigger they are, they didn't say this, but the harder they'll fall. That was their sentiment on this whole thing and said, God will be with us. We're well able. Right. And God said those 10 people. By the way, can anybody list out the 10, other 10 spies' names? They were leaders. You should know the names. Not one person. I can't either. But we know Joshua and Caleb, don't we? <sighs> because those 10, the Bible said, had an evil report. It was, they were trying to talk people from going to the next season, talk them out of going to the next season in their life. And Joshua and Caleb opened the door and said, come on in. You should see the grapes over here. You should see the land that flows with milk and honey. Yeah, there's some giants. We'll deal with that too. But look at what God has offered us. Woo, come on. I want to get around some Joshua's and Caleb's that are ready to go into that promised land. Come on. Everybody say, my faith will cause me. To go through the door into the next season of my life. Can we give the Lord a big shout of praise?